This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 214. So for today's episode, it is Sunday, January 9th, 2022. And as usual, I'm covering the latest news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. So let's head on over to Canon Rumors and see what they have for us this week. Let's do this. First up, patent. Canon continues to develop fast RF prime lens optical formulas. And let's see here. Canon continues to patent optical formulas for fast RF mount prime lenses. This patent deals with limiting aberration fluctuation when focusing. Canon is currently missing RFL prime lenses wider than 50 millimeters. I'm not counting the RF 5.2 millimeter f2.8 dual fisheye lens, and I expect that to change relatively soon. The optical formulas Canon's currently working on are the Canon RF 18 millimeter f1.8 with a focal length of 18.54 millimeters, f number of 1.85, half angle of view is 49.41 degrees. Image height is 2164. Lens total length is 107.66 millimeters with a back focus of 14.09 millimeters. Next, we have the Canon RF 24 millimeter f1.8. Focal length 23.83 millimeters, f number 1.85, half angle of view 42.24 degrees, image height of 21.64 millimeters. Lens total length of 104.66 millimeters with a back focus of 15.90 millimeters. Next up, we have the Canon RF 20 millimeter f1.8. Focal length is 20.48 millimeters. F number is 1.44. Half angle of view is 46.56 degrees. Image height of 2164. Total lens length of 124.66 millimeters with a back focus of 13.16 millimeters. And I believe there's a typo in that one because if it's supposed to be an f1.8 lens, why would the f number be 1.44? I'm thinking it's a typo and it's actually supposed to be 1.85 like all of the others. And the last one is the Canon RF 28 millimeter f1.8. Focal length 28.08 millimeters. F number 1.85. Half angle of view, 37.61 degrees. Image height of 21.64 millimeters. Total lens length of 92.66 millimeters with a back focus of 12.16 millimeters. Now, all of these lenses sound extremely exciting, but I think it would be overkill if Canon did every one of them, and I highly doubt they will. I could see... Um, I don't think they really need an 18 millimeter because they've already released a, an RF 16 millimeter f2.8. So I don't think they need the 18 millimeter. The 24 millimeter, however, that would be a good one to have. I would probably skip the 20 and do the 24 and the 28, but that's just me. That's my opinion. Canon never listens to me. They don't ask for my opinion on any of their lens formulas. So <laughs> we'll have to wait and see which of them they decide 
to develop and bring to market. Next up, Venus Optics announces the Laowa Argus 45mm f0.95 full frame for the RF mount. Uh, press release, Venus Optics, the manufacturer that specializes in making unique camera lenses, is proud to introduce a new full frame member for the Argus series, the Laowa Argus 45mm f0.95 FF. This exceptional standard lens offers a field of view that is more appealing and natural to human eyes. With the super shallow depth of field at f095, it easily creates a dreamy and romantic rendering. The lens, consisting of one spherical lens, one ED glass, and three UHR glass elements, offers remarkable sharpness while wide open. It gets your subject to stand out from the background with creamy bokeh. Truly turns an ordinary image into an extraordinary one. Photographers can also benefit from the flexibility for shooting in low-light situations. The key features for this lens, maximum aperture of f095, close to human eyes perspective, outstanding optical performance at f095, aperture ring click switch mechanism, internal focusing, and low focus breathing. So this is another interesting lens from Laowa, and they've made quite a few lenses in the last few years, and as many of you that have been listening to this show for a while know, I used to have the Laowa 17mm f4.0D for my GFX 50R, and it was a great lens, but I did after mm, about a year, I decided to sell it, and finally I had saved up and I got the, the Fuji GF 23mm f4 to use for my forgotten projects so i've been using that lens although i was never really disappointed with the lawa lens other than it did have wicked wicked sun flaring that you know if the, if the sunlight hit the lens at a certain angle angle you got wicked lens flaring which i wasn't a big fan of now Pricing and availability, the Laowa Argus 45mm F095 full frame is currently available to purchase via the Venus Optics official website at venuslens.net, as well as authorized resellers. The U.S. price for the Laowa Argus 45mm is $799. Pricing varies in different countries. Now for the specifications, once again, the focal length is 45mm, aperture is F095 to 16 Angle of view is 51.3 degrees. Format compatibility is full frame, 13 elements in nine groups is the lens structure. Aperture blades 15, minimum focusing distance 50 centimeters or 19.7 inches. Dimensions about 76.8 millimeters by 110 millimeters or 3.02 by 4.3 inches. Filter thread is 72 millimeter. Maximum magnification 0.12 times. Focus is manual focus only. Weight is about 835 grams or 1.84 pounds without lens hood and both front and rear caps. The mounts that will be available in are the Sony E-mount, Nikon Z, and Canon RF. So definitely an exciting new lens coming from Laowa in the Argus line. And I know those lenses have been extremely popular with a lot of photographers. Next up, Canon Executive confirms that the EOS 1DX Mark III is Canon's last DSLR. The writing has obviously been on the wall for a long time, but a Canon Executive has recently confirmed that the Canon EOS 1DX Mark III will be Canon's last DSLR. 
This information falls in line with 2022 potentially being the year of the camera body as Canon modernizes its lineup. I also believe the EOS M lineup will suffer the same fate as Canon moves to one mount for all. Quote, in an interview held by Yomori, uh, let's see, Shimbun, one of the five major newspapers in Japan with Canon's chairman and CEO, Fujo Metahari, we can learn about Canon's strategy regarding its imaging system division. Quote, it's natural that mirrorless cameras will become the mainstream of digital cameras. The market needs are accelerating and shifting to mirrorless cameras. In line with this, we are steadily shifting manufacturing, Matari stated. According to Matari, Canon will end the development and production of the flagship model of the digital SLR camera a few years from now, stating Canon's SLR flagship model is known as the EOS-1 series, the first of which appeared in 1989. The latest model, the EOS-1DX Mark III, released in 2020, will be the last model, in fact. The Canon EOS R1 will be the next flagship camera from Canon, and I expect the development of the camera to be influenced heavily by EOS 1DX Mark III and EOS R3 professional photographers. Now, I do have to agree with this 100%, and it does not surprise me to hear Canon say that the 1DX Mark III would be its final DSLR camera. Now, again, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that I am one of the only people that very early on, after Canon announced the EOS R in late 2018, I made the bold prediction that Canon would not release any more DSLRs in the, in the 5D series. Most people kept speculating, and it doesn't matter if it was Fro or Tony and Chelsea or many of the other big, big sites out there, were all predicting that Canon would release a 5D Mark V. And I kept telling everybody, it's not going to happen. The 5D Mark IV will be the last 5D DSLR. And the 6D Mark II would be the last one in that line. And the 7D Mark II, the last one in that line. And I've been right on every one of them. Now, I knew, I had the feeling in my gut that the 1DX Mark III was going to happen because Canon wasn't quite ready to release an EOS R1 yet. But that is coming. I expect a development announcement sometime later on this year about the EOS R1, and it'll probably be released in 2023. My guess would be first quarter of 2023. But again, we'll have to wait and see. But again, if you remember, I have been telling people on this show for years now that certain things were going to happen a certain way. I've been shooting Canon a long time, and even though I don't know anybody directly at Canon, I don't have any inside information, I don't have any friends that work there, I have a pretty good feel for how Canon does business, being I've been a shooter of theirs, of their equipment for so long. I predicted when the EOS R was announced in late 2018 that it would not take Canon more than 18 to 24 months to catch and surpass Sony. And everyone told me I was crazy. Well, lo and behold, at exactly the 18-month mark, Canon dropped the R5 and the R6. And your legitimate camera reviewers, the ones that are really honest, like Fro and like Tony and Chelsea and DP Review, all these other big channels, they all said after trying out the R5 especially, as well as the R6, that Canon in many ways had 
surpassed Sony in mirrorless technology. Canon's AF system was better than Sony's. It was faster. It was more responsive. It was more accurate. Their animal and human eye detect autofocus was also just a touch better than Sony's. Now, you heard it here first, people. This may be a small show still, but more and more people need to, more of you that are out there listening every week need to get others to listen to this show. Now, I'm not saying I'm any kind of psychic or anything like that. I just have a really good feel for how Canon does things. And so far, I've been batting a thousand on my predictions on their RF cameras and what they're going to do. Now, I have admitted before, the R3 did catch me totally off guard. And I do agree with some others that it was originally going to be the R1. And then when Canon saw what Sony did with the Alpha 1, they're like, you know what, we're going to rebrand this as the R3, say it's not our flagship body, and we're going to release something even better that we're going to call the R1. And that's the path they're on right now. So that one did catch me by surprise, but all the rest of my predictions since they've started switching to mirrorless have been 100% accurate. They passed Sony when I said they would. I told everybody that there would be no 5D Mark V, and everybody told me I was crazy, and I was right. The 5D Mark V never was released, and Canon has all but admitted that the 5D line is dead. Now the 1D line is dead as well, with the last body being the 1DX Mark III. All right, let's move on to the next story. Patent Canon RF 135mm F1.4 LDS USM optical formula. More optical formulas for large aperture RF mount prime lenses have appeared. This new patent showcases some RF mount prime lenses that utilize defocus smoothing, which first appeared in the RF 85mm f1.2 LUSM DS. The first one we have is for a Canon RF 24mm f1.4 LUSM DS. Focal length is 24.55mm, f number is 1.45, half angle of view is 41.39 degrees, image height is 21.64. Overall length is 119.13 millimeters with a back focus of 38.01 millimeters. The next one we have is the Canon RF 50 millimeter F1.4 L USM DS. Focal length is 52.13 millimeters. F number is 1.45. Half angle of view is 22.54 degrees. Image height of 21.64 millimeters. Overall length of 85.51 millimeters with a back focus of 37.71 millimeters. And finally, the Canon RF 135mm f1.4 L USMDS. Focal length is 131.00 millimeters. F number is 1.41. Half angle of view, 9.38 degrees. Image height of 21.64 millimeters. Overall length of 182.28 millimeters with a back focus of 13.87 millimeters. Now, I do believe that Canon is going to make some more of these DS these uh, DS model lenses with the defocus smoothing. Uh, it's my understanding that the 85mm version has been fairly popular, but they did release two 85mm 1.2L lenses. I never understand why Canon does that, but they chose to do so. And it's my understanding both are selling fairly well. So, will they bring one or more of these new optical formulas to the market? Well, all we can do for now 
is wait and see. And finally, last up from Canon Rumors for this week, the Venus Laua RF 12mm f2.8 0D is on sale for $849. Regular price is $925. Adorama has about $100 off the Venus Laua 12mm f2.8 when you buy today. Now, this is an older article, but I did check on the website. It's not $819 right now, as this article states, but it is still $849, so you can still get a discount. The Laua RF 12mm f2.80D key features fixed focal length, focal length is 12mm, lens type, wide angle lens, image stabilization, no, special features, it is a spherical. And you can find this lens at the accompanying link in the show notes for this episode. All right, and now we're going to head over to Nikon Rumors and see what they have for us for this week. All right, first up from Nikon Rumors, the Nikon FTZ mount adapter is listed as discontinued. The original Nikon FTZ mount adapter is listed as discontinued at B&H Photo. The Nikon Z62 plus FTZ and the Nikon Z72 plus FTZ kits are also listed as discontinued. The Nikon FTZ is on back order at Adorama and is currently in stock at Amazon. In case you need the integrated graded tripod mount, this is not present in the new FTZ2 version. The good news is the new Nikon FTZ2 adapter is currently in stock at Adorama and Camera Canada. Check also the availability at B&H, Amazon, Wex, Calumet, Photocotch, and Photo Earnhardt to see if it's available at those retailers. Next up, Happy New Year and the most popular blog posts of 2021. Thank you for being a Nikon Rumors reader for the past 13 plus years. Here are the top 10 most popular Nikon Rumor blog posts for 2021. Number one is the new Nikon Z9 Monster Specs League announcement expected in the next two months. Nikon basically combined the D6 and the D850 and made it mirrorless. Number two is rumored Nikon Z9 professional mirrorless camera specifications. Number three is the Nikon ZFC retro-styled APS-C mirrorless Z-mount camera rumored to be announced on June 28th, plus new details. Number four is some last-moment leaks of the Z9 specifications. Five is this the rumored Z9 retro mirrorless camera, or Z-metro retro mirrorless camera. Six, more Nikon ZFC camera leaked Photos, seven, confirmed the Nikon Z9 FTZ2 adapter and two to three new Nikkor Z lenses to be announced. Eight is new Nikon Z F, uh, FTZ2 adapter confirmed. Nine is very interesting. The next Nikon mirrorless could be a retro-inspired and DF-like camera. And number 10, reminder, Nikon ZFC retro-styled APS-C mirrorless Z-mount camera rumored to be announced next week. Those were all of the most popular posts for 2021 at NikonRumors.com. Next up, the next batch of Nikon Z9 cameras is rumored to ship in mid-January. I received some information from Asia that the next Nikon Z9 cameras camera shipments are expected in mid-January. I'm not sure how big the shipment will be or if it will even make it to the U.S. at all. As I already reported, the number of existing Z9 pre-orders is insane and record-breaking. For example, a major U.S. retailer received only 200 Z9 camera bodies last month. 
The same retailer received 200 Z9 pre-orders in the first three minutes after the official announcement. Similar stories can be found at the Nikon Z mirrorless camera Facebook group. Rumors suggest that some retailers could have received as many as 4,000 Z9 pre-orders. I do not make up those numbers, and there is no way for me to verify them. Here are similar there are similar reports on multiple forums and social media, you be the judge. Some readers have misinterpreted the report from Japan that the current shipping date for the Nikon Z9 camera is October 2022. This could be the case for new orders. If you ordered back in November last year, I'm pretty sure your camera will come much sooner than that. By the way, several Nikon Z9 cameras already sold for over 12K on eBay. That's insane. Maybe now is the time for you to place a backup Z9 pre-order with a small U.S. Nikon dealer like our sponsors, Paul's Photo, West Coast, or Service Photo on the East Coast. So, wow, I can't believe that people are actually paying $12,000 for a Z9 on eBay. That's more than double its normal retail price. I, I just couldn't imagine doing something that insane. I mean, if you, if you don't mind waiting for that much money, you can get two of them from Nikon. Or better yet, get two of the GFX 100S's from Fuji. <laughs> Next up, the new Voigtlander APO so Scopar 90mm f2.8 SL2 S lens for Nikon F mount is now in stock, plus new Voigtlander lens rebates. The new Voigtlander APO Scopar 90mm f2.8 2S lens for Nikon F mount is currently in stock at BH Photo and Amazon. Additional information on the lens can be found in an accompanying link. The price is $6.99 with free shipping in the US. The other two Voigtlander lenses for Nikon F mount are currently on sale for $70 off. That would be the Voigtlander Nocton 58mm f1.4 SL. 2S lens, black at 549. And let's see here, the, uh, the silver one is also 549. And then you have the Voigtlander Ultron 40 millimeter for uh, F2 SL2S spherical lens for 419. And those are the discounts. The remaining Voigtlander lens rebates can be found at an accompanying link. So Voigtlander is cranking out those lenses. And they seem to be really, really popular. And they do make them in a wide, wide range of mount options. You can get them for like an M mount, Micro Four Thirds, or Sony E mount as well. Next up, Nikon Z9 firmware update version 1.10 is now officially released and available for download. The previously reported Nikon Z9 firmware update version 1.10 is now officially released and available for download. Here is the change log. Increase the burst length for dual format NEF slash RAW plus JPEG or JPEG plus JPEG pictures taken to 20 frames per second in continuous high speed release mode. C firmware version 1.00 NEF RAW high efficiency plus JPEG basic large, approximately three seconds. JPEG slot one, JPEG slot two, slot one, JPEG fine, large, slot two, JPEG basic, small, approximately three seconds. C firmware version 1.10, NEF raw, high efficiency, plus JPEG basic, large, approximately eight seconds. JPEG slot one, JPEG slot two, slot one, JPEG fine, large, slot two, JPEG basic, small, approximately eight seconds. 
The asterisk at the bottom of that says the length of the burst that can be taken before the frame advance rate drops. Figures are reference values obtained via in-house measurements performed using a Nikkor Z 50mm f1.8s lens and a pro-grade digital Cobalt 1700R 325-gigabit CF Express memory card. Burst length will drop in some circumstances, including if backup is selected for role played by card in slot 2 or on is selected for auto distortion control. Options highlighted in the filtered playback criteria list in the playback menu can now be selected and deselected by pressing the multi-selector right. Fixed an issue that prevented or optional SB5000 flash units synchronizing with the shutter when all the following conditions were met. A shutter speed faster than the flash sync speed was selected with 1 200th S auto FP or 1 250th S auto FP chosen for custom sitting. Uh, custom setting, excuse me. Uh, flash sync speed in the custom setting menu. The SB5000 was controlled via radio AWL using an optional R, uh, WR R10 or WR R11A wireless remote controller mounted on the camera. The flash unit was not mounted on the camera accessory shoe. The Nikon Z9 firmware update version 1.10 can be downloaded at Nikon at the Nikon site. You'll have to go to the one that is particular to your country. Next up, the next batch of Nikon Z9 cameras is preparing to ship. Today, Nikon NPS sent out emails that the next batch of Nikon Z9 cameras is preparing to ship no later than early next week. As I already reported a few days ago, most of the orders will be for NPS members, but I believe a few regular folks will also get lucky next week. Here is the full text of the email. Happy New Year! In our continued effort to keep you informed as it relates to the Z9 shipments, we are happy to report that all NPS priority orders received by 12-19-2021 are in process and should be on their way to retailers later this week. Anyone that submitted a priority request between 12-20-2021 and 1-3-2022 will be processed no later than early next week. The NPS team is here to provide the best service in the industry, so please let us know how we can assist in any way possible. One final reminder, January kicked off account renewals, and if you have not already done so, please make certain to update your membership for 2022. Warm regards, the NPS team. So there you have it. It looks like the next batch of Z9s is going to be arriving at retailers this coming week. Next up, the Nikon Nikkor Z 400mm f2.8 TC VRS mirrorless lens for Z-mount is coming soon. Let's see, the lens is rumored to be announced at the end of January and shipping is expected to start in late February or early March. Please note that this time frame can be further delayed or changed. Now, some details on the new Nikon Nikkor Z 400mm f2.8 TC VRS mirrorless lens for Z-mount the new 400mm lens has a new coating and an AF motor technology way ahead of the competition. Not my words, this is what I was told. The lens has a built-in 1.4x teleconverter. This will bring the focal range to 560mm. Until the Nikkor Z 400mm is released, the FTZ2 adapter is your solution for super telephoto lenses. Now, there are some accompanying images in this article that you can check out for yourself.
and it does sound like an exciting lens, but whether or not it's going to be superior, the AF technology, in comparison to Sony and Canon, I highly doubt it. Nikon has not been able to surpass Canon or Sony in anything for quite some time, and that's why they've dropped to third place in the camera game. Next up, the Nikon Nikkor Z28-75mm f2.8 lens is expected to start shipping next week. Uh, let's see, in the U.S., Amazon lists the lens with a shipping date of January 31. You can ch check lens pricing and availability in the U.S. at Adorama, B&H, and Amazon, in Canada at Camera Canada, Germany at Calumet, Koch, and Earnhardt, in the U.K. at Wex UK. Previous coverage for the Nikkor Z 28-75mm f2.8 lens can be found at an accompanying link, which again, you can always find in the show notes. And last up for Nikon rumors for this week, the Nikon Z9 additional coverage. There is an ISO, uh, Z9 ISO test. Uh, YM Cinema, will the Nikon Z9 be capable of shooting BRAW? B -raw? Probably yes. The Nikon Z9 is the best product of the year at the DP Review 2021 Reader's Choice Awards for 2021. And there are a bunch of accompanying YouTube videos some official and some not that you can check out as well. Quite a few of them there. As the video above indicates, some of the Z9 accessories have not passed the government certifications in India and are not included in the box. They will be available at the end of February. All right, so that wraps up all the news and rumors for Nikon for this week. I'm going to take a short break and I will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191, and you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com, and you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. And now we're going to head on over to Fuji Rumors and see what they have for us for this week. First up, Samyang AF 12mm F2X e Photozine Review. Excellent performance at an excellent price. Now, this lens is now in stock at BH Photo for $499. The brand new Samyang 12mm f2.0 autofocus lens for Fujifilm X mount is in stock since a few weeks now. You can find it at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. So how does it perform? Well, ePhotoZine tested the lens and is extremely happy with it. Here are their pros and cons. Pros, outstanding central sharpness, low central chromatic aberration, fast and virtually silent AF, weather sealing, close focus, well-controlled distortion, modest vignetting, and excellent price. The cons, some edge chromatic aberration, no OIS. You can read the full review at the accompanying link in this article in the show notes. Next up, from full frame to Fujifilm APS-C, six years later as a full-time landscape photographer. 
Back in 2015, Andy Mumford, a full-time landscape photographer, switched from using a full-frame system to the Fujifilm X system, and in this video, he talks about what effects it's had on his photography, both professionally and personally. The video would be worth to watch also just for the stunning images he shares, including some from around my home in the Dolomites, so go check it out. I feel he nicely brings to the point what it means to shoot with Fujifilm cameras, and I also agree that if you don't print enormous images, then 16 or 26 megapixels are more than enough. I do love to print my images too, and so far the largest I have hanging at my home is a 90 by 60 centimeter or 35 by 23 in inches image taken with the 24 megapixel Fujifilm X-E3, which looks absolutely perfect even when watched in photographer's mode, meaning not watching from the normal distance as every non-photographer would do, but to but by going very close to it and basically pixel peeping with your eyes. Also, Andy, who rarely prints beyond one meter or 39 inches, is totally fine with the current resolution Fujifilm cameras have to offer. As far as his thoughts go, here is the summary. He started actually as a wedding photographer. Nikon D3 and Nikon D800 with lots of fast zoom and prime lenses. He loved landscape photography and shot landscape whenever he could. He did not like to bring his great big gear with him when shooting landscapes. He bought the Fujifilm X-T10 and really loved using it. It's intuitive to use. A camera should be an extension of your hand, eye, and mind. Intuitiveness is important. Camera needs to get out of your way. If you need to dive into menus and fiddle around, all this gets you away from the joy of photography and your vision. Controls of Fuji make the camera invisible in your hands. He felt that right away as he used the X-T10 and bought the X-T1. Fuji reignited his joy for photography. He made his first trip with Fuji gear only, and he realized there was not a single time he missed his full-frame gear. When uh, the cam, when he, let's see, there's a typo here. Okay, when the camera back from the trip, he was extremely happy with the images. Instead of bringing only one big D800 with him now, he can travel with two small Fuji cameras, less need to switch lenses. The lighter system was liberating. APS-C lenses are smaller, so he saved weight also with the lenses. He can now travel also with a lighter tripod. Huge weight savings. The X-T1 to X-T4 are very robust and well-built, never had any failure, and he shot at extreme conditions, freezing temperatures and waterfalls and more. Also, the lenses always performed great and were very durable. Now also, Sony, Canon, and company offer mirrorless full-frame systems. The bodies of full-frame mirrorless don't really weigh much more than a Fujifilm X-T4. However, the lenses for APS-C are smaller and lighter. Once you carry two or three lenses around, you notice the weight difference. He does not consider switching back to full frame. The lighter weight was an important part of switching to Fujifilm, but not the only part. If it was only about weight, you could get the Olympus Micro Four Thirds system. It also comes back to the feel of the camera as a creative tool. The joy of using those cameras Feel and weight are important, but they don't matter if image quality isn't there to get the job done. Pretty much every camera today offers excellent image quality. Full frame has a slight advantage in dynamic range and medium format even more so. 
A camera having more dynamic range or more resolution doesn't make the other camera that is not quite as strong in that area anything less than an excellent camera. It is still capable of taking excellent photographs, and I remind you of that all the time. If we all just cared about getting the best image quality that we can, then we could all just use medium format digital or large format film. But we are not, because when we choose a camera, we make a balance of all different factors. Image quality is important in this balance, but not the most defining aspect, because every camera has excellent image quality. Weight, lens, range, autofocus, how good it feels to use matters. He needs image quality good enough to sell his prints. A 16 megapixel image can be as good as a medium format image if it is able to capture the scene in the way he intended to capture it. Sometimes he gets a medium format GFX 50R on a loan and he loves using it. It takes amazing images. However, he finds that a few weeks later when all the images sit on his hard drive and a client contacts him for a print, he does not differentiate between APS-C and medium format images. All that matters is how successful that image is in terms of capturing the scene. He never prints more than one meter wide or 39 inches, and as long as resolution is sufficient for that, the camera is good enough. No client ever complained about not having enough resolution. When clients choose an image to print, they do it because they like the scene and its mood, and this has nothing to do with the resolution of the camera. He processes all images with Lightroom, although he has Capture One and thinks it renders Fujifilm images better straight out of the camera. But he can achieve the same results with Lightroom with a couple more minutes of playing around. He prefers the usability of Lightroom, shortcomings, shortage of options if you want to shoot really fast and really wide-angle shots. There is the XF 8-16 F2, a fantastic lens, but bigger and heavier, and the XF 10-24 is only F4. There are some third-party options of faster and wider primes like the Samyang 12mm f2 or the Laowa 9mm f2.8, but he'd love Fujifilm to make something like that. Battery life is not perfect, not a massive issue if you shoot only images, but if you shoot 4K video, it burns the battery quickly. Big improvements came with the new battery on the Fujifilm X-T4, but 4K shooting still drains the battery quite fast. Autofocus is not very important for landscape photographies. He, photography, he loves the focus peaking. Shooting Fujifilm was professionally and personally very liberating for him. Smaller and lighter system has allowed him to focus more on the creative aspect of photography. After six years, the Fujifilm X system satisfies him on every level, creativity, technically, and professionally. Adam runs workshops also here around my home in the Dolomites. If you want to, feel free to check out more details on his website. And I can certainly understand that. And I had considered going to Fujifilm X myself, but I know I would take quite a beating selling off my Canon full frame gear. And so I haven't made the plunge yet. I would like to eventually get into Fujifilm X mount just to try it out for myself. Now, yes, I could rent one, but I'm looking at the possibility of at some point down the road, maybe picking up an X-T3 or an X-E3 and a couple of lenses and go from there. And if I get more and more into the Fujifilm X-Series, then maybe I will eventually part with my Canon gear. But I haven't decided yet. As you know from listening to this show, I do absolutely love my Fujifilm GFX50R. 
It is a fantastic camera. I love its retro styling, rangefinder styling, but I really want the GFX 100S. I just can't afford it yet. I don't exactly have $6,000 just laying around burning a hole in my pocket, if you know what I mean. Next up, book your photography workshop with Fujifilm X shooter Pedro and save $200 with our coupon code. You might have noticed that last year I partnered to offer you a discount on a photography tour. That trip took a private group of four Fujifilm photographers to the beautiful Azores Islands. For 2022, I have partnered with Pedro and Nomad Photo Tours to give all Fuji readers, uh, Fuji Rumors readers, a discount on their photography expeditions. Pedro is a Fujifilm X shooter with years of experience leading photography expeditions in Peru, Bolivia, the Azores Islands, and some other amazing destinations. He has partnered with local photographers and offers plenty of different locations to travel and photograph in 2022. If you're feeling adventurous and would like to get back to the field of, of traveling and photography in 2022, these guys have stunning quality small private group tours and focus on a different styles of photography. Their tours explore off-the-beaten-path destinations where you can focus on landscape, specialized wildlife, culture, street astrophotography, and plenty more. You have access to a direct discount of 200 euros on any tour if you decide to book until March of 2022. Use the reference uh, hashtag FujiRumors when you're making a reservation on any tour at nomadphototours.com. And there is an accompanying YouTube video, a couple of them, as well as some beautiful landscape images in this story. Next up, Fujifilm 2021 GFX Challenge program closes tomorrow. Get up to $10,000 for your photo video project. The Fujifilm GFX Challenge program 2021 closes tomorrow to know... What the GFX Challenge is about, check out our previous coverage here. In short, you submit your project to Fujifilm, and Fujifilm will give selected projects up to $10,000 U.S. to support them. The Global Grant Award recipients will receive complimentary use of a GFX system camera body and two GF lenses for the duration of their project. Mentoring and technical assistance from Fujifilm technicians and product experts and a $10,000 U.S. grant. The regional grant award recipients will receive the same, uh, but the cash grant will be $5,000. And of course, this has closed now because this article was posted on January 4th. But I still wanted to share it with you so you could be ready for next year. Next up, Zeiss Do It. Fujifilm X-Mount deals save up to $150. The Fujifilm X-Mount Zeiss Do It Trinity is right now an offer with up to 150 in savings. The Zeiss Do It 12mm f2.8 save 150 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. The Zeiss Do It 32mm f1.8 save $111 at the same three retailers. And the Zeiss Do It 50mm f2.8 1 to 1 macro save $150 at the same three retailers. Now you can find Fujifilm deals. The Fujifilm GFX 50R save $1,500 at B&H Photo, Adorama, Amazon US, and Moment. The Fujinon XF 23mm F1.4 save $200 at the same four retailers. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, instead of Moment, focus camera. The Fujinon XF 50mm F1.0 save $200 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and focus camera. 
The Fujifilm X-T4 saved $200 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. The X-T3 body or with 18 to 55 or 16 to 80 save $400 at the same four retailers. And the Fujifilm X-T30 save $100 at the same four retailers. So quite a bit of savings out there for Fujifilm X-Gear. Next up, new Steel's Ring EF to GFX Pro Edition launched. Steel's Ring is launching the Steel's Ring EF to GFX Pro Edition Smart Autofocus Adapter in addition to the multifunctional button. There is also an aperture ring with an AC switch like we find on Fujinon GF lenses. The Fuji Lens Mode Switch Simulation Fujifilm GF Lens Support Mode C Aperture Priority by Camera Command Dial Mode A Programming Auto Mode by Camera and Aperture Dial Mode. For Steel's Ring EF the GFX 1, 2, and 3 adapters, with the help of a short click of adapters MFB or multifunction button, it is able to simulate the mode switch simulation between A and or C and A modes. Initial mode simulation is mode C. For the Pro Edition, with the add-on control ring and aperture body, it is possible to simulate an aperture dial too. The mode will cycle in CA aperture dial for Pro Edition via short click of the multifunction button. Initial, initial mode simulation for the Pro Edition is aperture dial instead of C for the 1, 2, and 3 adapters. Lens mode switch simulation works always is not relevant to adapters working mode as adapter or GF lens simulation. About the multifunction button, active firmware update mode for 1, 2, and 3, as well as the Pro adapters. Press and hold the multifunction button, then connect to a PC or Mac via USB cable, then release the button will enable adapter enter firmware update mode. When mounted on camera body with lens combination after camera power on normally, short click the multifunction button once will start lens mode switch between C and A for the 1, 2, and 3 adapter or C, A aperture dial for pro adapter. Press and hold the multifunction button for 5 seconds or longer, then release the MFB will trigger adapters mode switch between aperture mode and GF lens simulation mode. Camera body will reboot, EF GFX adapter will be effective immediately. About the manual focus ring, Pro Edition only, not available for the 1, 2, and 3 adapters. When the lens mode switch simulation is in C or A mode, aperture control is done via camera body dial. Then we use the control ring to simulate a manual focus ring. It is more like power focusing of uh, curtain EF lenses. To be effective, lens body AF MF mode switch must be set to AF and camera body focus mode dial set to MF. Turning control ring, it will activate camera's MF assist automatically. About automatic focus bracketing, Pro Edition only. When Pro Adapter's control ring can function as a manual focus ring, it is able to set the begin and end points for autofocus bracketing depth now. So before entering autofocus bracketing setting in camera body menu, Please make sure adapter's lens mode switch simulation is in C or A mode and set lens body AF MF mode to AF. Then turn the adapter's control ring to set the position accordingly. Please do not turn lens body's manual focus ring. It is useless because lens won't report any distance change after focusing position changed, but Fuji's algorithm needs that value. After finishing automatic focus bracketing position setting, control ring can be set to aperture dial simulation once again. So a lot of interesting 
information on this new Steel's Ring EF to GFX Pro Edition lens adapter. Now, I did play around. I uh, briefly had an autofocus enabled uh, adapter to use my EF lenses on the GFX. And it worked well. I just didn't like the idea of shooting my GFX 50R in 35 millimeter mode. I didn't like cropping in. So I decided to opt for sending the adapter back and instead buying native GFX lenses instead. I know a lot of people like to shoot with the 35 millimeter lenses on a GFX body, but that just wasn't for me. Next up, Fujifilm X-H2 with 26 megapixels, three more Tamron X-mount lenses, Sigma keeps teasing, firmware updates, and more top 10 December articles. Here are the top 10 articles for last month, December of 2021. Number one, while Sigma sleeps, Tamron confirms three more Fujifilm X-mount lenses coming next. 11 to 20 millimeter f2.8, 17 to 72.8, and question mark. Two breaking Fujifilm X-H2 with 26 megapixels coming in 2022, and now the big question is. Third was chip shortage delays Nikon Z9 delivery to October 2022. Bad news also for Fujifilm and the Fujifilm X-H2. Four, Sigma can't stop teasing Fujifilm X-mount lenses and says our patience will be rewarded. Five, Fujifilm GFX 100S, 50S2, and X100V firmware updates released. Six was top three Fujifilm gear I'd love to buy in 2022. Seven, B&H Photo, top 10 mirrorless cameras of 2021. The GFX medium format consecration continues. Eight, Viltrox AF 13mm f1.4 XF review, sharpest Viltrox Fujifilm X-mount lens coming for 469 in 2022. Nine was Fujifilm Instax Mini Evo review, and 10 was the Fujifilm GFX 100 and X-T4 new firmware updates released. So those were the top articles in December of 2021. And last up from Fuji Rumors for this week, the Viltrox 13mm f1.4 pre-orders available now. You can pre-order a B&H photo for $469, as well as the Viltrox store, Amazon US, Adorama, and Pergear. But the lens is supposed to be released in late 2021, but nobody is immune to the chip shortage these days. So it looks like it got delayed because we're already into 2022. And now we'll head on over to Sony Rumors and see what they have for us this week to wrap up episode 214. First up, from Sony Alpha Rumors, DP Review TV, which camera will survive, the Sony A1, the Nikon Z9, or the Canon R3? Now, you can watch this video on their official YouTube channel. Next up, leaked Samyang 135mm f1.8 FE lens specs. Our source M sent us the specs of the soon-to-be-announced new Samyang 135mm f1.8 FE lens. Quote, 13 elements in 11 groups. Shortest shooting distance is 0.7 meters. Filter size is 82 millimeters. The size is 93.4 by 129.6 millimeters with a weight of 764 grams. Announcement should be in January. P.S. Somebody knows the exact date with a question mark. Next up, leaked image of the new Yongnu 20mm f1.8 FE lens. 
Camera beta leaked the images of this new Yongnu lens. You can see the aperture ring and AF switch. switch. Price and release date are as of yet unknown. Next up, Sigma will announce two more prime lenses soon after the 20mm f2.0. A trusted source confirmed the launch of the new Sigma f uh, 20 millimeter f2.0 DGDN lens, and he also said two more primes will be announced shortly after the 20 millimeter. We'll share more details as soon as I double check the info I got. And now remember, I've told you before, Sony Alpha Rumors does have a low rumor success rate. Their hit rate's only about 5%, so take all of this with a grain of salt. Next up, $75 off and free $75 gift card on the Laowa 12mm f2.8 sold by Adorama. Now, I did double-check this. This article is from January 4th, but this deal is still on, so you can still get that deal at Adorama if you click the link in this article in the show notes. Next up, Seven Artisans announced these three new T1.05 APS-C Cinema E-mount lenses. Specs and pre-order are here at the Seven Artisan store. A press text will feature highlights that can be read at uh, Hilbert with Seven Artisans. Now, these are the 25mm APS-C lens for EFX, Micro Four Thirds, and EOS R, as well as L-mount. Uh, for $549, the 35mm lens for the same mounts for $499, and the 50mm for the same mounts for $430. So, definitely some new exciting APS-C cinema lenses. Next up in Gadget, the global chip shortage isn't ending anytime soon. Let's face it, the global chip shortage isn't going away in 2022. This means most camera announcements will be pushed towards the end of 2022 with slow shipments until 2023. And Gadget reports, quote, I'd like to say things have improved, but they actually have gotten a little bit worse, and I'm not surprised. O'Donnell said in a recent interview with Engadget. In April, he argued that the global chip shortage would continue throughout 2022 and into 2023. Now he's even more convinced that we won't see any major relief until at least then. If you're on the list for the new A7R4 and the A93 and the other new Sony cameras, well, don't count on getting them anytime soon. Next up, ATEC announced new CF Express Type A card reader. This can be ordered at B&H Photo for $79. The ATEC Flash Technology Blackjet DX1 CXA CF Express Type A card reader. And let's see, there's also other photo accessory deals at B&H Photo Deal Zone and Adorama Deal of the Day page, which you can find in the show notes. Next up, Sigma CEO writes, in 2022, supply shortage of semiconductors may affect production of some products. Also, Sigma CEO Kazuto Yamakai, uh, I'm sorry if I butchered your name, made it clear that 2022 will be a difficult year for both camera and lens makers. As I reported weeks ago, expect most Sony camera announcements to happen in the second half of the year only. Next up, Jordan and Chris from DP Review TV believe Sony will launch a new 100 megapixel sensor camera in 2022. They believe that Sony is likely to announce a 100 megapixel camera. This would have to be the new A7R5. 
I am not so sure about this yet, but we know Sony already has such uh, has made such sensors in the works. Two years ago, I reported about this new Sony sensor having a 102 megapixel and 6K recording. The specs were absolutely stunning. And you can check out the DP Review TV YouTube video about this subject. Next up, Lala 85mm f5.6 2 times ultra macro APO review by Optical Limits. Optical Limits tested the new lens on the Sony and concluded, quote, the Lala 85mm ultra macro APO is a good lens. It delivers a predictable performance across its aperture ring. At medium aperture settings, it's pretty sharp without being truly outstanding. Diffraction takes its usual toll at small apertures, and it's uh, advisable to avoid f22 at least. That's also a good idea because of chromatic aberrations. They are very low up to f11, but increase beyond, albeit not too worrisome degree. Image distortions are basically absent, as they should be with a macro lens. The quality of the bokeh is a bit of a mixed back. Out-of-focus highlights aren't ideal, whereas the out-of-focus transition zones are rendered nicely. The build quality is perfectly fine for the usual caveats of an all-manual lens. The lens body is made of metal, including the lens hood, and we especially like the inner focusing mechanism. On the downside, there's still no electronic coupling, thus you'll have to live without AF, EXIF data, and no camera control. This is not uh, drama for a macro lens, but it's hindering Lawa from entering mainstream market. The question of the day is probably where to find a niche for this camera, or for this lens, I'm sorry. Its primary value proposition is the minimal size and low weight. Some may also appreciate the ability to focus down to a maximum magnification of 2 to 1. If these are your priorities, you may accept the lack of speed and the all-manual nature. At almost $500 US, we wouldn't call it a steal, though. Next up, Dustin Abbott, Canon EOS R3 versus Sony Alpha 1, Clash of the 30 frame per second Titans. I think the real Sony A1 competitor is the Nikon Z. The R3 isn't up to the Sony, in my opinion. Here is the comparison with the R3 from Dustin Abbott. And I have to take exception with that because most of the reviewers that I follow say that the Canon EOS R3 is every bit as good, if not a slightly better camera than the Sony A1. Next up, that one camera guy, Sony Camera Predictions 2022, A5, A93, and R, uh, A7R5. All I can say for sure is that we will get the A7R5 and the A93. Never heard anything about an A5 yet, although I would certainly like the idea for a sub-$1,000 FE model. And last up from Sony Alpha Rumors and wrapping up this episode, new images of the Rockstar 27mm f2.8 E-mount lens. I never reported about this new Pancake Prime lens. The new Rockstar 27mm is available on eBay if you click the link in this article in the show notes. And that's going to wrap up all the news and rumors for this week. 
remember to check out the Land Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap episode 214 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Now, I also wanted to remind you to stop by and check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media, and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. Now, I also wanted to let my listeners know, if you're someone that has been shooting with Olympus, Panasonic, Pentax, Nikon, Sony, or Fujifilm X gear, please reach out to me at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. I want to do some interviews with people that are familiar with and have been shooting with those bodies for a, any amount, a deep, reasonable amount of time. I don't have expertise on those cameras. I've only shot GFX and Sony EF and RF. I played around with Nikon a little bit as well as Sony in the past, but I'm by no means an expert. I would like to hear from you if you shoot with any one of those manufacturer systems and you've been doing so for, let's say, at least two or three years, four or five would probably be better. I want to get as much information out there for my audience on these other camera systems as possible. I don't want people to think that this show is only about Canon RF and Fujifilm GFX stuff. I want to hear from you. So please reach out either by email or join the Facebook group and reach out that way. I would really, really appreciate it. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. I will see you all again on Thursday.